0: Welcome to Cars Yeah! Show number 63. This is Cars Yeah! Where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah! Do you love vintage cars? Then go to CarsYeah.com and get a free copy of the Fantastic Filler Up Book. It's a full color ebook filled with fuel filler fun with over sixty color photographs of vintage cars plus inspirational quotes from some of the most famous automotive enthusiasts of all time. Simply go to carsyad.com, click on the free book button on the home page, and download your filler up book today. It's free at CarsYad.com. Hello automotive enthusiasts. Today I'm very excited to introduce my special guest, Joe Kite. Joe, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride?
1: I am absolutely ready, Mark. Yes. Let's go.
0: Thanks for joining me today. Joe Kite is owner of Topiary Joe. He is a very unique topiary sculpture artist who creates living garden sculptures. Now I know what you're thinking. Isn't this Cars Yeah? Inspiring automotive enthusiasts? Entrepreneurs who figured out how to make a living around their passion for cars? Yeah, you're in the right place. Joe is an automotive enthusiast through and through, who in many cases has figured out how to combine his passion for cars into a creative, living sculpture that he creates for clients around the world. If you want a full size Ferrari F1, a vintage Bugatti, or a Porsche in your garden, Joe can make that happen. Want a Ferrari prancing stallion or a hood ornament off a Jaguar coming out of your bushes? Joe can do that too. Of course, if you like full-size elephants, dinosaurs, or anything your imagination can come up with, Joe is your guy. He's figured out how to combine his passion for cars, gardens, sculpture, and more into a thriving entrepreneurial business that makes people smile. So Joe, I've told our listeners just a little about you. Please take some time and Share a little more about your history, your life, your career, your interests, and, of course, your passion for automobiles.
1: Well, Mark, the uh, passion for automobiles started rather early. Um, In 1966, um, I was, uh, like, seven years old, and uh, we were in the showroom of the uh, Plymouth dealer, and my mom and dad were looking at a uh, Barracuda Fastback with a little... Uh, it was gold with the uh, black stripe around the tail, and it had the dual exhaust on it.
2: Oh, yeah. And
1: um, yeah, and I was standing behind it when the guy, uh, and I was looking up the exhaust pipe, when the guy cranked it up and he revved it. and uh, Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that was it. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> cars are me, that's all. You know, it's like from that point on, I think all I could do was uh, think about cars. I started... Uh, collecting and and buying them when i was 13 by the time i was 13 i was driving around in my first car which was an mg midget so was the second one and so was the third and the fourth and the fifth and then there was an austin Healy sprite and then it changed to mercedes Benz because i lived uh, i was raised in oak ridge tennessee which is a nuclear research facility so there were plenty of old mercedes and uh, nice old cars there that the scientist had uh, let go by the wayside by their side- by their house, and so I was picking them up cheap and by the time I was sixteen, I'd already had uh, fifteen wing tip mercedes
0: oh my gosh it's <laughs> incredible
1: it just it kept on going i'm now on my i've slowed down it's am uh, now on my two hundred
0: and twenty seventh car
1: oh jeez um I only have fourteen at the moment at the house i think yeah there's uh uh one two three four four Mercedes-Benz, two Porsches, a uh, 47 Pontiac, a 53 GMC pickup truck, uh, let's see, um, the 66 Cutlass 442 convertible, the 66 Suburban Emergency Burb, uh, which was our local, what do you call it, Rescue Squad truck, sure. uh, their fur truck, and, uh, you know, that's, that's the doghouse for my my great Danes. so uh, (laughs) i've always i've always had suburbans because i've always had great danes and uh, that kind of goes well with the the sculptures that i do because the great danes are just such beautiful dogs and i get nice lines from them for the animals and i look at them a lot for how the knees go and how the how the legs bend and it kind of makes sense because uh one of the first sculptures that i made mark was a, a deer and of course what did i do i put the legs on backwards oh no um (laughs) <laughs> on the front on the front. The knees were bending backwards. And by the time that uh, we went ahead and stuffed it and everything, you know, I'm sitting there looking at it and going like, Oh God, what did I do? And uh, a friend of mine just had to have it so that every time that I would come over to his house he would passionately tell me, Look at this.
0: Oh, Look what no. you did. Yeah, I remind so. you every time.
1: <laughs> so since then I've uh, tried to make them anatomically correct and trying to make them of a scale so that when this steel frame sculpture that I make gets covered with plant material, it's still going to look like the correct to the animal size. I have to make them 10% skinnier so that when you add a couple of inches on the top of it, it's going to look like the real thing.
0: Well, of course. I'm thinking about, and this is funny, the chia pet and how that, the, you know, how it grows and becomes this giant, puffed up chia sheep. So you've got to compensate for that. Before the plants grow, so that they look it looks normal when it's done. That's funny.
1: Yeah, okay. yeah. So it so it doesn't look like a big puffball. Yeah. And uh, yeah, speaking of chia pets, I have the uh, I made the world's largest hydroponic chia pet, which is a sixty-two foot long Plaxosaurus dinosaur, which is sitting at the Fort Worth Museum of Science and History.
0: Oh wow! <laughs> well, well, amazing process. I mean to to do what you do, but what's really interesting to me is you've also started creating, or maybe you've been doing it a while, automobiles that are living automobiles. So maybe you can tell us uh, before we get into the rest of the interview here, what was the first automobile that you built with a wire form and then put the plants to it?
1: Well, the the first one was a 1947 Porsche 356. The 356 slash one, the first one, the good doctor made of that line. I wanted to honor the Porsche mark and we happened to have my, oh yeah, I've got one of those two. Uh, I got a 62, 356 Reuter sunroof coupe Ooh, nice. that we're doing a restoration on. And, uh, we had that there. So it was like, well, we can <laughs> simply get the measurements off of this one. And so we did. And that, uh, that provided the basis for making this first wire sculpture, the whole Porsche is made of 3 8 inch wire, uh, steel. Uh, either, you know, I used to use rebar, but this is all smooth round, mm-hmm. hot rolled steel. And we do cheat just a little bit. We have a ring machine for making the wheels. Uh, my, uh, one of my colleagues is, uh, Paul Forkner, and he is, he's got a wire, uh, bending machine, so we bend up the wheels with that. But other than that, everything is hand bent. Uh, hand welded into place i do the curves and a couple of my colleagues like paul and and lester they they do straight lines. Mm-hmm. so that they get the frame all nice and prepared for me and looking looking good and then i put the curves on it that's what the animals are and that's you know that's what we are every bit of us is a curve you know that's it's it's all represented on the french curve little that little protractor looking oh, thing sure. that came in your in, in your uh drawing kit when you were in seventh grade, uh, mechanical drawing yeah. class, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So all those, I figured out, you know, pretty easily that all animals, all creatures, all cars are just a series of, of curves, and all I have to do is put the right curve to it and then cut the rest of that stuff out.
0: <laughs> well, it sounds amazing and very, very interesting, and it's so cool. it. As we continue on your journey, I, I really like to start with a success quote, a uh, saying that's been instrumental in forming your life and your success. It's it's a great way to get the inspirational tires turning, or in your case, growing on cars, yeah? <laughs> so, Joe, yes. take the wheel.
1: So, yes, Mark, uh, when I decided 21 years ago that I wanted to be a sculptor, after being a sales manager and walking the straight line and being quite the duck walker, I, uh, with a tie and everything, I decided I need to be a passionate wild artist that can do anything on earth. And I figured that if I'm going to do it, I should do it well. So, uh, learned about topiary from, uh, doing a marketing program with Disney world in Orlando, still have an exhibit there today in the future farming exhibit. As you float through the boats in, uh, Epcot. There's there's a large aqua farming area for future farming, and then there's a desert area, and then just as you get past the desert area, there's these bags sitting there with rock wool in them and tubes coming out of them with humongous tomatoes and cucumber plants, and that's my exhibit from 1984. Oh, wow. <laughs> like that. Very cool. And it's still there, and uh, that allowed me access to the tree farm that in disney world and i got to see them making the portable sculptures they call it american portable style topiary because they all have a pallet underneath them so that when one sculpture that's in the in the park if a hair gets out of place on it they can replace it that night just by pallet just by picking it up and bringing the other one back from the tree farm
0: oh wow that's very cool
1: yeah and, and i saw that process and i pictures and i asked my father it's like well how do they bend that steel how do they get those shapes and forms and he happened to have some rebar sitting there and a table vice and you know that song table vice table <laughs> oh vice. gosh no. here we go <laughs> <I'm sorry>. <laughs> <laughs> um, and he started bending the curves there and then i said well how do they put it together and he we had an old Lincoln arc welder there, you know, the same one that they designed in 1934, which is the same thing that I use today because it's got two moving parts. I don't use a wire feed. I don't use anything but my table vice, table vise, <laughs> and uh, and and my stick, my Lincoln arc welder. The, the nice people from Lincoln have even interviewed me because uh, they're they're wondering how do you do this stuff, you know, and it's like, yeah. well. Two simple, two simple things, and it works everywhere. Every island that I've gone to, it seems some of the most populous places are the hardest places to find a uh, a welder like that at all. I go to Jamaica, I go to Dominican Republic, uh, St. Croix, and St. Thomas, uh, Antigua, and places like that, man, everybody has a welder, and it's just like, boom, it's right there. Yeah. I go to London, and it takes me three days to get a welder <laughs> oh, goodness. for my for my shop, which happens to be in the middle of Hyde Park.
0: Oh, okay. You know what's amazing about your story, and there's so many golden nuggets there, but it's very much akin to what I'm trying to do here with Cars, yeah, and that is entrepreneurial spirit. You were walking like a duck, as you said, wearing a tie, and you realized you you had something else under your skin that needed to get out, the creative side, the fun side, and obviously you're having a lot of fun with what you're doing, and, and I love that. Could you share a story with us that that instigated your passion for cars? Tell us about that pivotal moment in your life when you really knew you were a car guy. <laughs>
1: well, <laughs> being raised on cars there and having the passion since uh, getting the smoke blown up my face in a in a '66
2: Cuda. Cuda, <laughs> yeah.
1: I recall very fondly that we traded that for. Uh, my my dad was into cars also, so. He had a whole series of muscle cars and things, and the 66 Cuda got traded almost immediately. We had a camper, and we went camping in North Carolina. We end up with some friends that they happen to live next door to Petty Enterprises, and who had just fixed up a 66 GOAT, a a nice yellow GTO, black interior. I remember the red wall tires on it, and I especially remember the four-speed with the uh, 389 with the three deuces on it. (laughs) <laughs> and <laughs> I remember my father driving that thing, and, you know, I'm in the, in the back, and we're going through peanut fields in North Carolina at 100 and something miles an hour, and a big smile on his face.
2: Oh,
0: yeah. So,
1: yeah, that that one, that's a pivotal moment. <laughs> I think
0: that would be. That's a wonderful story. What <laughs> How great is that? So, Joe, what I want to do now is take a look at some of the roads you've driven down and really get under the hood and get our hands a little dirty. Something you do every day being out there in the garden building these magnificent topiaries. Would you share with our listeners a huge challenge or even a big failure that you faced in your career that pushed you almost to a breaking point? But more importantly, share with us how you over- overcame that situation and what you learned from it.
1: Well, let's go back all the way to last week. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh oh.
2: <laughs>
1: Well, it is a success story, Mark, because uh, we are succeeding with these, uh, with these sculptures that I have here on property. I'm on property at a, a very nice, exclusive home in Rancho Santa Fe, California right now, 20,000-square-foot house that's being restored. And what we're doing is installing 19 sculptures here at the house, including a 14-foot-tall bull elephant, a 21-foot-tall giraffe mama, 14-foot baby then there's uh, a cheetah, then there's a unicorn, then there's penguins, then there's monkeys.
2: Oh, my gosh. Then
1: there's koalas. Yeah. (laughs) And the owner, of course, you know, wanted them done in uh, two weeks. And now it has taken four weeks to do all this. Yeah, sure. you know, in that time period, the owner also became aware that plants do grow and that, no, you can't do it immediately and have, an immediate green satiation that day, unless it's like fake material because plants have to grow. Right. So we're experiencing that right now, and we've gotten over that little dilemma that, uh yeah, there's going to be 20% of this critter, critter that's still a little not covered yet, but, you know, that's what we get when the plants start out.
2: Yeah,
1: um, sure. As for an, an automotive-type challenge, uh, possibly the largest, was making the Ferrari Formula One car in a Ferrari shop in Dubai. Oh, wow. Because, yeah, we had, we had I had two weeks to do it in, so I had to uh, do it morning shift and evening shift because when I got there at 11.30 on a Saturday evening, I walked out of the airport and it was only 96 degrees.
0: <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah, Dubai, <laughs> middle of the desert, trying to, to yeah. build a plant that grows. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Yeah, so I was making this Ferrari Formula One. This was 2011. And the Formula One car uh, was to be uh, introducing the Ferrari world, which was just uh, being new there, uh, that was in Abu Dhabi. And it still is. And it is a wonderful facility. And I think if you ever go to Abu Dhabi, you better go to the Ferrari world.
2: Oh, yeah. I've it's, seen pictures. It is, it is,
1: yeah, it is cool. And we went there for the opening of it and everything. And to. Uh, promote that at the airport, and to help promote the Formula One races there, they bought my. They had me come there and make the Formula One Ferrari car, and uh, I angled it up in the front so that it looked like it was taking off, and you know, like a jet. Mm-hmm. And uh, we, I built it in a Ferrari shop in Dubai, a Ferrari repair shop, which was the coolest thing ever because of the exposure to all the the sheiks and these guys. It, it just comes flying in in their Ferrari and they toss the keys at somebody, it doesn't matter who, and they go off in the limo. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, just like, some great wealth you know, there. And, oh, yeah. And, you know, the the, the kid that, that flew his Ferrari back from London because this guy knows how to tune them up and they don't know how to
0: do it exactly in London. <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah, there's nobody in London that knows how to work on a Ferrari. (laughs)
1: Yeah, so we just put it on the family 747 and bring it back home.
0: Oh, my gosh, my gosh. (laughs) Well, amazing stories, just absolutely incredible stories, and I'm sure we could talk all day about some of the the wild places and stories you've been, but let's shift gears here and go to the other end of the spectrum. Share with us a real aha moment in your career. When you got into what you're doing right now, Tell us a moment in time when you realized, you know what? I can actually make it doing this. This is going to work. And tell us the steps you took to turn that aha moment into a success.
1: Okay. (laughs) Um, That aha moment must have been like uh, in 1992 when I decided that I better do this and I better do it well. I saw that there were no other people actually creating what I was going to create. And, uh, except for the people that were there at Disney. And I knew that this kind of a trend would actually pick up, but I knew always that the trends that I do seem to, it's like eight to 10 years out. So I rode that little train and, uh, <laughs> for 10 years before it started ticking in a little bit and people started looking at them seriously and seeing that what I was doing, uh, was going to succeed. Yeah, and that that's that's when the aha came, and it's like, oh, I can actually charge more for these things.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm doing something pretty darn special.
1: Yeah, so now now what we're yeah you know, what we're looking at now is being able to price to the neighborhood here in California, and and I'll keep my price and sculpture uh, schedule for uh, this neighborhood, and then we have a completely separate division for corporate logos and signage living logos and signage and uh that includes my passion my biggest passion of what i want to make i want to roll a bugatti royale sized and shaped and fitted sculpture across the line at double beach that oh. is what i want to do mark
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> so all that's what all this is leading to is going across the line at Pebble beach yeah i, I I, yeah, my first time there, I was just absolutely shocked and amazed by the cars. And, you know, I wish I'm I'm this close and I didn't even get to go this time because I'm building an elephant. But, you know, <laughs> next year I want to have that elephant to be the food ornament on a Bugatti Royale.
0: Yeah, what a wonderful goal. And, you know, I just came back two weeks ago from uh, Monterey and Pebble Beach and Carmel and all those magnificent events. And I sure yeah. hope that happens for you. I could see one of your sculptures. Sitting out there on the eighteenth green with all those cars around it, so uh we've got to yeah. uh, we've got to figure out a way to make that happen that would be really cool now it's in the work y- there you go uh, what was your first very special car, and I know you've shared with us that you had many many cars you've had more cars by the time you were eighteen than most people have in their life. Yeah. Could you share with us maybe that first really special car and what it was and what it meant to you
1: yeah, first really special one I think was a uh 62 Lincoln, four-door convertible, black, with black leather, with a white top, and it was the Consulate car from Belize. So it had the low compression, 500 cubic inch engine in it, and when I started restoration on it, I found that in 1962, the uh, good folks at uh, Ford had figured it out after 1961 that it didn't quite have that Lincoln ride, so I'm looking up and underneath the fender well, and dinking on these 125-pound lead weights going, what in the heck are these? They're there to give it that Lincoln ride.
0: Oh, wow. <laughs> what was it about that car that was so special to you?
1: Well, it was the first one that, <laughs> living living in Tennessee and having a whole bunch of old cars, it was the first one that didn't have any rust.
0: <laughs> oh, okay. Well, that's that's good. Yeah, uh, you could just it, go out it, and enjoy yeah. it. <laughs> yeah,
1: and she was just an absolute dream. She, you know, it, I was... Uh, Teenager, and uh, we put the top down and put eight people in it and cruise to the Smokies. You know, wow. and it's like let's yeah. go through the mountains in a huge car and then float down the interstate at a hundred miles an hour.
0: So pretty special know. memories. What about sellers' remorse? Is there a car that you've sold that you really wish you had back?
1: Oh yeah, my nine twelve. <laughs>
2: oh okay, yeah.
1: It's yeah, sixty seven nine twelve that I sold a couple of years ago, and and. Bless the man that actually bought it because he, you know, he did uh, uh, upgrade her just a little bit, but he, but he put stripes on her. I didn't like that. And that kind of hurt. Yeah. And uh, you know, but he keeps on showing it to me pictures on the Facebook. And I'm going like,
2: ah, I don't yeah. need that. <laughs> Stop that. Get rid
0: of those stripes. That's not correct. Yeah. <laughs> well, we all have those cars we wish we could have back, but I always say you can only only look forward. You really have to just look back with the fond memories, but you can't go back. You got to keep moving forward. So. A great memory. Yeah. Is there a current project that you're getting ready to do? I know you're working on that magnificent project in Rancho Santa Fe this week, but is there a project coming up that really has you excited?
1: Hmm. Um, Possibly a a green wall, a 3D green wall installation in Miami Beach, in the art district. They're, They're wanting to encapsulate a whole area, a dining area and everything, in a green wall that's 3D art and, uh, you know, I'm, there are all kinds of green walls out there that are just flat surfaces, so what I'm wanting to do is go 3D with this, and, yes, it very well might be a automotive motif. Wanting to make the uh, seating areas and everything into automotive-type things so that we can have, you know, something that people are going to be taking a lot of pictures of instead of the artwork <laughs> that surrounds
0: them. <laughs> oh, that sounds exciting. Well, we'll keep an eye out on your site for, for that coming up, I'm sure uh, if you're able to build that installation, you'll post it up on your website, and we'll share that with the listeners a little bit later in the show. Now, here's a funny question for you, Joe. If you were a car, what kind of car would you be and why?
1: Oh, wow. Well, I think uh, after seeing the neighbor's uh, Lamborghini uh, Huracan, and he's got a Marcialago and he's got an Enzo. Let's see. I might like to be that hurricane just because the sound of it, oh my gosh, <laughs> that is the most awesome sounding car ever oh, yeah. coming out of the driveway here and cranking up the hill in three years It's orgasmic,
0: yeah, yeah, those cars are uh those cars are special, and the sound of those those engines is just spectacular and of course, the neighbor yeah. the neighborhood you're in right there there's a lot of great cars down Rancho Santa fe, so uh definitely yeah, eye if, candy,
2: if it,
1: yeah, it's all eye candy, but it, if you know, besides that, it, it's such a nice neighborhood that I drove by. I, I waved at a guy that came by in a Ferrari Daytona. Mm. And he. Asked, I don't think there was a fly in the car. I think he actually waved back. Wonderful. Was,
0: oh, my gosh. <laughs> Wonderful. Yeah, isn't that fun? That's cool. So, Joe, we're coming up to what I call the last lap, and this is where I fire off a series of questions, and you give our listeners very quick blips of the throttle answers. So are you ready? Certainly. Okay. What is the best automotive advice that you've ever received? Put gas in the tank. <laughs> Put gas in the tank. Okay, that's pretty That's pretty simplistic, but you know what? You can't go very far without any fuel. So uh, I think that's pretty darn you know, good advice. Yeah, make sure you've got I've enough fuel. Run out
1: too, yeah, yeah, I've run out too many times. I have too many cars that the gas gauges, they're old, and the gas gauges don't work. So what do you do? Put gas in that Put thing. Put gas you know? in,
0: the, yeah, simple, direct, easy. I like it. Would you share one of your personal habits with us that you believe has contributed to your success?
1: One of my personal habits? Hmm. I get up every morning determined to make a piece that day, to make a sculpture that day. And without that that passion, um, a lot of things wouldn't get done.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, I like that. Get up every day with a, a passion and a drive to fulfill the dreams you have in your mind. That's spectacular. I like that. Do you have a resource that you could share with our listeners that you're really fond of? Maybe a website that you visit frequently?
1: My website, of course, copieryjoe.com. Oh, yes. Um, (laughs) But uh, that inspires me because I look there and I go,
0: wow, look at what this guy, oh, yeah, that's me. That's me. Um, Yeah, look at what I've done. (laughs) (laughs) And it is spectacular. And I'll remind our listeners that we're going to be posting all the resources that Joe shared with us today at carsyad.com slash joe and if you just go and type joe in the search bar you'll see his page and if you want his facebook page and uh y- you'll see some spectacular things but is there is there a site that you visit that you like a lot
2: um
1: well let's see i have been going uh, i like click and clack <laughs> oh yeah uh
0: huh
2: the they're car guys they're
1: my Saturday morning passion yeah, yeah. car guys are, you know I, I listen to that religiously every uh, Saturday morning, and that is one of the best times of creativity.
0: Yeah, no, that's a great resource. While I'm
1: listening to that. Yeah.
0: yeah, I like it. I like it. Now, how about...
1: Similar to what you do, and I love it, you know. <laughs> well... Uh, I, I heard the interview that you had with uh, Rob from... Um,
0: oh, Rod uh, Emery.
1: Yes, Rod Emery. Yeah. And, uh oh, you know... That that's where I want my 356 restored when I can afford it.
0: Well, there you (laughs) go. Now, did you hear that, Rod? Cars, yeah, worked for you. Just I'm going to be sending you a customer here as soon as he does a few more of those big installations. There you go. Yeah. Is there a book that you've recently read that you really enjoyed that you could share with us?
1: There is a a book by a man that uh, is local to me, uh, Jim Clayton of Clayton Mobile Homes, of all things. The Clayton Mobile Home people... They they're one of the largest builders in the nation. They have they build over thirty two thousand homes a year. They invited me a couple of months ago for a a talk where I you know got three minutes to stand up in front of everyone and give a thing. They were cordial enough to sit there and let me speak, and then all all of a sudden I had like six jobs off of things.
2: Nice. Um,
1: Yeah, the the Clayton's also have a Volvo dealership that when I was trying to earn my salesmanship. Wings. I decided one summer to go and work for Clayton Volvo. That lasted about a week. After I figured out that walking on walking on uh, hot pavement with uh, dress shoes and taking car keys in and out all day was just like you know not exactly what my cup of tea was.
0: <laughs> not as much fun as building bull elephants and Ferrari F ones in Dubai for sure. Correct. And that Correct. that but, book is that book. Uh, First a dream. Is that the name first of that?
1: a dream was, okay. uh, yes yes, uh the title is first a dream, and it goes through the the measures of how they went from mobile homes to Volkswagen to to all kinds of uh entrepreneurial type ventures within their family after he wrote after Jim Clayton wrote this book, it was read by Warren Buffett and bought their whole corporation uh you know, oh
0: wow good. yeah yeah. <laughs> Write a book. You might be able to sell your company. <laughs> that's yeah, great. that's
1: on success. and uh, yeah, Exactly. Thinking, yeah, what did Joe have to write to get that? <laughs> there you go.
0: There you go. Well, Joe, this is the last question, and it can be a real doozy, especially for a guy like you that has had so many vehicles and has such a passion for vehicles. If you could only have one collector car in your garage, and this is something you can't sell to buy a bunch of other cars with, and money's no object. I'm going to buy you whatever you want. What would that vehicle be and why?
1: It would have to be the Bugatti Royale, the one of the six, and it has to be the one with the uh the the driver out in the open because that one uh, that's the most appealing looking big car that I could think of that I would absolutely love to drive any and every day of my life. And I would not give that up for anything.
0: What is it about that car that really tugs on your heartstrings?
1: Well, besides the massive size of it, it's just the, the scale and the grandeur of the whole thing, you know? It's just, it, it is such a statement and it is such a piece of art, you know? Hats off to Mr. Bugatti.
0: Yeah, well, you know, I think there's an interesting correlation here to your choice. You build great, huge things that are amazing to look at and bring smiles to people's faces and that's what that Bugatti Royale was intended to do was make a very grand statement. So I kind of see the relationship going on here and why you chose that. That was a great great choice. Well, Joe, you've taken us on a great ride today, and I've really enjoyed your stories, and I want to thank you for sharing your journey with our listeners. Would you give us one parting piece of guidance before you drive off into the sunset in that Bugatti Royale? And then let our <laughs> listeners know what's the best way they can learn more about your business, Topiary Joe, and then we'll say goodbye and let you get back to your elephants.
1: Ah, the best way that they can say, uh, see about me would be to find my website, topiaryjoe.com or find me on Facebook because i blab about it all there. <laughs> There's pictures of all my cars on the Facebook of course, and the ones the automotive sculptures are all plastered right on the front page of my topiaryjoe.com, including the Custom ones. I've made a couple of just uh, like my mailbox, or I love the big swoopy fendered car, so that's what I create.
0: I saw that picture of your mailbox. That is a cool mailbox. <laughs> <laughs> and what's a, a parting piece of guidance you could share with our listeners that would help them go out and be motivated today?
1: If you don't do it, who's going to? You know that if you want if you want to see it happen, you better do it yourself because there's nobody else going to do that for you. Go out there and do it now.
0: I love it. That's that's mine. Great advice, Joe. Great advice. Well, listeners, I'll remind you that you can find links to everything Joe has been so kind to share with us today at carsyad.com slash kite K-Y-T-E. Just type Joe in the search box and his show notes page will pop right up. Joe, I want to thank you for being so generous today with your time and for reaching out to me to share your story, your expertise, and with our listeners. Until we talk again, we'll see you down the road. Yeah, yeah, yeah,